Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, August 15th, 2019, from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, we got a Mookie Betts contract report, and it comes from Peter Gammons from The Athletic. I didn't know Peter Gammons was with The Athletic. I knew Peter Gammons was still kicking around, and you hear about a report from him every once in a while. He's a legend in the game of baseball reporting, but uh, I didn't know he was with The Athletic. Well, he's reporting for The Athletic that, well, I'll tell you what he's reporting to open the show, but just know that there's a Mookie Betts contract report coming from Peter Gammons. I'll tell you what that is, and I will react to it. Uh, The Red Sox about to begin a three-game series this weekend against Baltimore at Fenway. They have today off. The Red Sox will not play on this Thursday, August 15th. They are coming off a three-game series in Cleveland in which the Red Sox won two of those three games against a very good Indians team. However, it's just too little too late as the Red Sox are still, even after a good series like that, the Red Sox are still seven and a half games out of the second wild card spot. Uh, So on this Red Sox off day, we do have a Red Sox story, and that's the Mookie Betts report from Peter Gammons. I will open the show with that. But uh, outside of that report, I am more focused on the NFL right now as we get set for week two in the preseason. The Patriots will play their second preseason game this Saturday night. They'll be in Tennessee to take on the Titans. And uh, there's a couple battles that I guess you should know about. I think you already know about all the main battles, but uh, there is some Patriots news. I will get to that. And I have some hilarious audio clips from John Gruden on episode two of Hard Knocks. I didn't, I knocked, I did knock episode one. I did. I knocked it. I knocked episode one of Hard Knocks with the Oakland Raiders, HBO's Hard Knocks this year, they are following the Oakland Raiders and their training camp and their preseason. I knocked episode one. I just thought there was too much acting. I didn't think it was that real. Well, now that we finally get to the games and Gruden is mic'd up during a game, he was mic'd up during their first preseason game against the Rams, and I think practice got a little more intense the closer they got to the game when they had the joint practices with the Rams. I think it became a little more real. And there's less acting, and John Gruden is hilarious. And he was not acting. He was being himself. And uh, I have some audio clips that I'm going to play for you. you got to hear it. If you haven't watched this season of Hard Knocks, I would would tell you to do it now after Episode 2. After Episode 1, I was like, "Eh, I don't know what this is going to be like. They obviously had us all hooked with the Antonio Brown stuff, and they still kind of keep us hooked with the Antonio Brown stuff. Uh, after episode two, I think there'll be much more Antonio Brown stuff in episode three. But episode two, the best part of that was John Gruden and the audio. And I have some audio clips I'm going to play for you. You need to stick around and listen to that. And speaking of hilarious, the NFLPA has issued a work stoppage guide to all NFL players. That's right. They've given every NFL player a work stoppage guide in the case of a lockout or a strike after the, what is it, after the 2020 season? No, after, yeah, after after the 2020-21 season. So you got two more years left uh, in this current CBA. And I guess the NFLPA is trying to get the players ready for a potential lockout or strike if no agreement is made. And, and they want them to pre- start preparing for that right now. They want them to start preparing and start saving their money right now. And they give you a list or they give the players a list of ways to do that. And I just, I have the list and I will read that to you. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. All of it today presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P. I see, and if you ask me, the best time of year on DraftKings is during the NFL season because I know everybody does their little fantasy draft. Their fantasy football draft is coming up. You might have already done it. You might have already done a couple mock drafts. And and I know you're into fantasy football and your fantasy football league. You're probably good keepers and everything. I'm in a fantasy football league. It's a keeper league. It does keep me interested, but what keeps me more interested in fantasy football is 
daily fantasy football and in the NFL weekly fantasy football. You can have a different team every single week, a different lineup every single week for a chance to win cash prizes every single week. You can already look at the week one slates. And if you look at the week one Sunday afternoon slate, the most expensive player is Ezekiel Elliott at 9200 bucks. I keep telling you this during this DraftKings read. He's, he's still holding out, so I don't know if he's going to remain on that. But uh, if you wanted to put your team together now, you could. So go to DraftKings.com or download the DraftKings app, and you can play for free in the $2 million play action contest. $2 million in total prizes. 200000 in first place. Again, play for free in that contest by signing up right now using promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this Thursday, August 15th. Uh, I told you we're getting ready for the second weekend of preseason football. The Patriots in Tennessee. Um... How much will how much action will Tom Brady see? I expect Tom Brady to play maybe the first quarter. That's what I expect. I expect Brady to play first quarter. Um, and then you'll get the backup quarterback battle between Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. So we'll see how that all plays out. Uh, but the story today, the big story today in Boston is this report from Peter Gammons. Peter Gammons, I told you from the Athletic. Uh, He has a report today that tells him, according to a source, which is a Red Sox official, so he's he's telling you kind of who the source is. This is a Red Sox official is telling Peter Gammons the following about Mookie Betts. And I quote, If Mookie wants to stay in Boston, we'll pay him, says one Sox official. We want him to be the face of the franchise, but it's hard to know. He's rejected our outreach in the past. We have to know if he's open to signing a year before he hits free agency at the end of next season. Let me read you that again. According to Peter Gammons, quote, If Mookie wants to stay in Boston, we'll pay him, says one Sox official. We want him to be the face of the franchise, but it's hard to know. He's rejected our outreach in the past. We have to know if he's open to signing a year before he hits free agency at the end of next season. So, basically, this Red Sox official is... There's a a method to the madness here, right? There's a reason why this Red Sox official is even talking to Peter Gammons about this. Peter Gammons might have been you know, walking around the field at Fenway pregame with his little notebook, and he walks up to a Red Sox official. He asks about Mookie Betts. This Red Sox official knows what... Now, who's the Red Sox official? Is it someone in ownership? Is it Sam Kennedy? Is it a high-profile scout? Is it Dombrowski? Is it a... I don't know. Is it Frank Wren? Is it Tony LaRusso? Who could it be? Somebody in the Red Sox organization. Peter Gammons is some pretty good sources. So I'm assuming that this is a pretty good source. I'm, I'm assuming this is this is somebody more important than just a scout. All right. A Sox official. And this Sox official who is pretty important to the organization knows exactly what they're doing when they're answering a question from Peter Gammons on the future of Mookie Betts in this city. Okay, they know exactly what they're doing. And what they're doing is they're trying to send a message. And that message is, the message is to Mookie, let's talk. Let's get a deal done now. And if you don't show us that you want to get a deal done now, we will entertain the idea of trading you this offseason. Now, that wouldn't be the first time we have heard about the Red Sox potentially being interested or at least throwing it out there to the public that they'd be interested in moving Mookie Betts this offseason because there was a report. When was this? Just a couple weeks ago, right? Um, And it was from MLB Network's John Morosi says 
Sources within the baseball industry believe that the Red Sox will at least be listening to trade offers from Mookie Betts this winter. That was a couple weeks ago, coming from John Morosi, MLB Network. And now you got Peter Gammons having a quote from a Red Sox official that says, hey, listen, if Mookie wants to stay in Boston, we want him to be the face of the franchise, but it's hard to know because he's rejected us in the past, and we have to know right now or soon if he's open to signing before he hits free agency at the end of next season. So basically, this is a method to the madness to talking to Peter Gammons from this Red Sox official. He is trying to get it out there publicly that, one, the team wants him to stay. Two, you know, hey, Mookie, this is, a, a, this is also a message to Mookie and his team and his camp. Let's talk this offseason. We need to know soon if you want to stay here or not. And if we don't, no, if we don't hear from you and we don't get a vibe, then we're going to listen to trade offers. Then that report that you heard a week or two weeks ago from John Morosi, that's true. So the Red Sox is sending a message. This Red Sox official knows exactly what he's doing, right? If they wanted to keep this thing under wraps, if they didn't have a message to send, they would have never even talked to Peter Gammons, never would have even answered a question from Peter Gammons with regards to Mookie Betts. So there's obviously a reason they wanted this out there. They want to let the people in Boston know that that they've tried to to sign Mookie Betts already and they've tried to get in a conversation with Mookie Betts about a long-term contract. And it's also a message to Mookie Betts. You got to let us know. You know, you, you got to show some interest here. And you got to do it now. Because if 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 you don't do it now, or at least if you show us that you're not interested now, then we're going to entertain the idea of moving you. That's basically the message to Mookie Betts. Now, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say to this report. Here's what I would say to this Red Sox official who's talking to Peter Gammons. I would say, and here's what I would say if I'm Mookie Betts. And, and reading this quote from this Red Sox official, I, I'm going to kind of side with Mookie Betts on this. Because it's like, Here's what I would say if I'm Mookie, and here's what I say just as me. Danny Picard on the Danny Picard show, playing, uh, put myself in the player's shoes. My message to the Red Sox right now, reading this quote, knowing that they only talked to Peter Gammons for one reason, to send the message, and they know Gammons is respected, and they know people will take it seriously. My message to the Red Sox is, make them a fucking offer. Like, don't, don't sit, don't play this game where you're telling us and you're telling Mookie and you're telling everybody publicly that, that you want Mookie to be the face of the franchise. Well, you know what? Give us a number. Throw a number out there. What have you, you you've, you've tried to engage. You want to pay him. You know, your outreach, you say. He's rejected your outreach. Well, your outreach? How about you give him a number? Right? Put a number down on a piece of paper, put it in his fucking hat in his locker and say, let's talk. And if you put a number down that gets his attention, you'll get his attention and he won't reject your outreach. You, look, you're going to have to pay Mookie Betts. The Red Sox know that. Mookie Betts knows that. Now, Mookie isn't doing himself any favors this year. 281 batting average, 20 home runs, 60 RBIs. The defending champion Red Sox season is over and it's only mid-August. Right? I mean, look, they just won two of three in Cleveland against an Indians team that's going to playoffs, an Indians team that could win the World Series this year. And you go into their building at a time in which they're battling for their division, and you take two of three, and you do it in somewhat dramatic fashion, and it doesn't mean anything because you're still seven and a half games out of the second wild card, and the division was lost in the end, at the end of May. So... Look, this is this season is not a good look for Mookie. It's not a good look for this Red Sox team and this Red Sox core that, according to this Red Sox official, they would like the core to, you know, they would like Mookie to be the face of the franchise, the face of this core, the face of this group. Yeah, I tend to think that at the end of the day, it's probably going to be Rafael Devers. I've been telling you that for a year and a half now. I, t- I told you Rafael Devers when he first got called up, and I, I just I, I needed to see him for a month and a half. And 
I, I told you on this show that Rafael Devers, when his career is over, he's going to be an all-time Red Sox great. I just felt that from him. And he is, I, I guess he hasn't proven me wrong yet. Um, But the more he plays and the more he has success, the more I'm sticking to my guns on that Rafael Devers take from when he first got called up and what I saw from him in the first his first month and a half of Major League Baseball when he was in diapers. So I tend to think that this Red Sox organization the face of this franchise is probably going to be Rafael Devers at some point. But still, Mookie Betts can can be right there with him. But if you want to keep Mookie Betts, you got to pay him. He's not helping himself out this season, but, you know, you still should want to pay him. Now, the contract everybody will look at is the Mike Trout contract. What was the Trout contract? 12 years for $430 million? Um... Luxury tax purposes, it's real it's really a ten year three hundred and sixty million dollar deal, right? But for luxury tax purposes, they made it a twelve year extension. Four hundred and thirty mil look, thirty-five, thirty-six mil a year. You also gotta look at Bryce Hopper. Bryce Hopper was what? Hopper was uh three hundred and thirty mil, I think. Bryce Hopper was thirteen, three thirty? Am I getting that right with Bryce Hopper? I just got, I got my calculator out. 330 divided by 13. I think that's about right. Um, so 330 mil for Hopper. If, you know, because Mookie is having only a 20 home run season right now, I think that the Red Sox are probably going to lean more towards the 330 mil and the Hopper contract than they are the Trout contract. And I'm not going to knock them for that. What I am going to knock the Red Sox for is talking about wanting to make Mookie the face of the franchise in a report that you obviously want to, want to get to the public. There's a difference between telling a reporter and telling the public you want him to be the face of the franchise and then actually showing everybody that you want him to be the face of the franchise. And the only way you can show it is by making him an offer. And this is what I don't get if you're the Red Sox. I think this is a pretty easy... This should be, a, this should be an easy public relations win for the Red Sox. This is easy. This is easy. You make them an offer, and you throw the number out. So, if the, you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me if the Red Sox made Mookie Betts an offer of, and we'll look at the Hopper contract. Again, Bryce Hopper, what's that? 330 for 13. That's 25 mil a year. 26 mil a year. And then you got Trout, 12 for 430. You know, 36 mil a year. What if you paid Mookie Betts 33 million over 10? It's it's really it's the 330 that Hopper got. And 33 divided by 10 is 330 divided by 10. It's 33 mil a year. And it's less than it's a little less than Trout average annual. I think that's I think that's a deal that. I mean, would Mookie reject that 330 over 10? And the reason I'd be paying him higher average annual is because I wouldn't want anything more than a 10-year deal. I mean, I'd I'd even be willing to go Let me get my calculator out again. <laughs> um, it's early in the morning here. I'd even be willing to go Let's see. What's 3 What's 375 divided by... Yeah, that's not going to work. Um, 350? Man, I mean, would you would you go 335 over eight, eight years and say we'll give you $42 million a year? I, I mean, I'd rather higher average annual. I'd rather ridiculous average annual value and less years than pretty high average annual and 12 years. Like, I'm not going 12 years with Mookie Betts. Here's, here's what I'll offer. You got, because you got to be realistic to what the market is. And Bryce Hopper may, uh, signed a $330 million deal. Right? Let, let me just... Let me sit here and Google that real quick. Bryce Hopper, um, 330. I think that's going to come up. Yeah, a 13-year, $330 million deal. So, you got to be realistic with the market if you're the Red Sox. Mookie Betts is not, I don't think he's going to accept anything less than a total of 330 mil. He's not. 
He's just not going to accept anything less. You know what? He probably shouldn't. He probably shouldn't. So if you're the Red Sox right now, I think you should just, hey, take advantage of the 281 batting average, 20 home runs, 60 RBIs. Make him an offer, 330, but make it only 10 years. 330 over 10. Would he, would he accept that? Would he accept 33 million a year, 330 total, and 10 years? Would Mookie Betts accept that? Put it this way. If you make him that offer and Mookie Betts doesn't accept it, there's no way you lose this PR battle. You sit there, if you're the Red Sox, you go, all right, that's the offer that's out there for him. You know, we made him an offer. Are people going to knock the Red Sox for offering Mookie Betts 330 mil? If they knock the Red Sox for offering him 330 mil, it's going to be because they think they over they tried to overpay for him. They try to give him too much money. I mean, at the end of the day, the Red Sox are never going to win in this town when it comes to contracts. I, I was driving in the studio this morning, and I I hear people on the radio being like, oh, "I don't know anybody that I don't know anybody that thought the Chris Sale contract was good." Well, I guess you don't know me because I thought the Chris Sale contract was good. I did because of the other contracts around Major League Baseball that I looked at and said, he's still underpaid. You're still going to underpay him compared to how high these contracts are getting for superstar players. And Chris Sale is maybe the most impactful player in the league, you know, when he's healthy, when he's on his A game. And and this has been uh, a mediocre year for Chris Sale, and I've knocked him. He had those two terrible starts against the Yankees during that 14-game stretch, that 14-game stretch that essentially ended the Red Sox season, and you could have used Chris Sale in that spot. Chris Sale, though, I will say this. You know, his last two starts have been pretty dominant, especially with regards to the strikeouts. And, uh, you know, I, I think that if you look at those things and you look at Chris Sale and you look at the length of his contract, you know, I think it's too early to judge the contract they gave him from a longevity standpoint, as to whether or not it was, you know, a, a success or a smart decision. Chris Sale could come out next year, win the Cy Young, and will people be saying that's a bad contract? Of course they won't. Because the Red Sox, you know, the Red Sox will really never win in this town when it comes to contracts. You go back to the Leicester stuff, but even now, like, if the Red Sox offered Mookie Betts $330 million on a 10-year deal, then... I think most people would try to say that they, they, they offered him too much. And if Mookie Betts rejected 330 over 10 years, that would be on Mookie Betts, not the Red Sox. So if you're the Red Sox, you would rather be crit- you should rather be criticized for overpaying than underpaying, right? That's what I would think. Like if I'm the Red Sox and I have to, you know, go online every day, go on Twitter, or listen to sports talk radio or sports podcasts, you know, if I have to to listen and, and read this stuff and see this stuff on TV, I'd rather be criticized for overpaying than lowballing a superstar. I would. And if you're the Red Sox right now, you do not want to lowball a superstar, especially not Mookie Betts. So um, this quote that this Red Sox official gives Peter Gammons in which he says, hey, you know, we... We'll pay him. We want him to be the face of the franchise, but they've Mookie and his team, they've rejected the outreach. They've rejected it. So what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do right now? We've tried. That's the Red Sox message. And they're sending a message to the, to the city that they're trying, and they're sending a message to Mookie Betts that if you don't show interest in our outreach soon, we are going to listen to trading you this offseason. My message, though, to the Red Sox, if I'm Mookie or just me right now as an analyst, as a fan, um, having my own show that gives opinions on this stuff, my, my message to the Red Sox would be put your money, literally put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. Don't tell us through Peter Gammons that you're trying to sign Mookie Betts so that you want to make him the face of the franchise. If you really do want to make him the face of the franchise and you really do want to sign him, put your money where your mouth is and make him an offer. Offer him 330, 330 mil over 10 years. 
and if he takes it, then I think that's a great day for the Red Sox. You don't got to worry about that anymore. The only thing you probably worry about is what are you going to do with Jackie Bradley Jr.? Right? Or when it comes time to talk about maybe Andrew Benatendi's contract or even Deva's contract. But again, we're still a couple years down down the road from those things. Um, but I would make the offer to Mookie Betts. If you're not going to make Mookie Betts the offer, don't come out and tell us about how much you want to keep this guy around. Don't. Don't. So, um, you know, I, I just, it's, it's tough to read this quote knowing that we don't have any number to go along with it, knowing that we don't have any actual hard offer to go along with it. I tell you what, if a Mookie's camp next, I'm talking to another reporter and I'm saying they haven't made us an offer. Or if they have made him an, made him an offer, throw that number out. Because now they're going to play the game. If you're going to play the, the public relations game, and, and the court of public opinion, and you want the people to make the decision before any deal is agreed to or any trade is made, then if you're Mookie's camp, you now go to a reporter and you play the game too. And you say, oh, really? They want us? We're rejecting the outreach? Well, hit us up with an offer that gets our attention. Right? Try, try to get Mookie's attention. If I'm his agent, that's what I'm doing today, talking to, to a reporter. Right? But I don't want to hear this back and forth. I want the Red Sox to make him an offer. This, like, this, is, this should be easy if you're the Red Sox. Don't make this complicated. If you really want Mookie Betts, make him an offer. If not, trade him. You know, if not, with the offseason trade. And maybe that's what this is. Maybe they won't make him the offer because maybe they are committed to trading him. I wouldn't trade him. I would sign him. But... If you if there's no number out there, you you know you talk about outreach. Like, what is outreach? I don't even know what that means. Outreach. So you think you, they went to Mookie's camp and they said, "Let's talk about a contract extension." And Mookie's camp said, "Nope, we're not doing it." I, that's a little ridiculous. I, and if they are doing that, then then that's that's a bad look on them. Like, at least hear what they have to say. At least hear the initial numbers the Red Sox are thinking. And that's that's that should just be the agent doing his job, due diligence. What numbers are we talking for Mookie? Because then you take that number. You don't have to accept it, but then you take that number, you compare it to other things, and maybe you make that decision right away. Well, they're not going to take us serious. And and if there was an initial offer that was a slap in the face, then let's hear it. And maybe that's the next bit of news. Maybe Mookie's camp does have a number that the Red Sox offered that was a low ball offer. Bottom line is, if the Red Sox want to play this game, like right now, this is on the Red Sox. Make the kid an offer. If you're going to talk contract with Peter Gammons to send a message out to the public, there's only one thing I want to hear. There's only one thing I want to read. And that's a that's an offer that you made Mookie Betts. And then let us make our decision as to whether or not that's a good or a bad offer. And, and let us make the decision as to who is to blame if there is a potting of the ways with Mookie Betts and the Red Sox. Let us make the decision, but give us a number. Give us a number. So... It's just something to keep an eye out for, but that's the report coming from Peter Gammons. I told you, I, I mean, I 3.30 over 10. Some people might think that's too high. I, uh, you, you have to, if you want to keep Mookie Betts, you got to be realistic with the market, with the market value and the going rate. You have to. You, you have to. You can't ignore that and just come up with your own numbers because once you ignore that, you start coming up with your own numbers and your own contract based, based on what you think this play is worth and ignore the market and the going rate, that's when you get yourself into trouble with the in the court of public opinion where everybody's like, oh, they're lowballing Mookie Betts. Like, so this should be easy if you're the Red Sox. Make the kid an offer if you really want him. Make him an offer that's realistic with market value if you really want him. And I just gave the the... You know, I was a little higher earlier in the year, but... You see the 20 home runs, 60 RBI. You know, the Red Sox do have to also take advantage of that. Right? Because Mookie hasn't done himself any favors this season. But I would still pay him. And I would still try to keep him around. But there's one thing to say you want to keep him around. It's another thing to do it. Put your money where your mouth is if you're the Red Sox. That's my message today after this Peter Gammons report. So uh, we'll move on from baseball because the Red Sox season is over. Like I said, they won two of three in Cleveland. But they're still seven and a half games out of the second wild card spot. They get the day off today. They're at home against Baltimore. I mean, they should sweep the Orioles at home, right? But even if they do that, they might still find themselves six and a half, seven games out. That's just the way this thing works. It's too little, too late. 
Too little, too late for the Red Sox. So we move on. And we move on to football because that's really where most of my attention is at right now uh, as we get into the second week of preseason. And I'm not a preseason football guy. Like, I will watch Saturday night. I'm not going to overreact to anything. I basically watch preseason games while while saying, saying prayers. <laughs> I, I, I pray during the preseason games. As in, I pray that guys don't get hurt. That's basically what I do during the preseason games. So the Patriots are in Tennessee on Saturday night. Uh, I'm assuming we'll see Brady. I mean, maybe just for one quarter, maybe not even for the full quarter. That's just my assumption. We didn't see him at all in the first game. And, you know, as expected, we didn't see him. I think we'll see him a little bit. The way this thing works is we'll see Brady a little bit in the second preseason game. And then they'll return home next Thursday at home against Carolina. We'll probably see Brady for an entire first half and maybe even into the third quarter. And then we won't see him at all in the fourth game, which is Thursday, August 29th at home against the Giants. That's the final preseason game before the first regular season game. Sunday, September 8th at home against Pittsburgh on Sunday Night Football on NBC. But, um, you know, we know Brady's a starter, obviously. And the pa- there is quarterback news, actually. The Patriots released Danny Etling, who, on the current depth shot, was the fourth quarterback slash wide receiver. They were trying to they were trying to make Danny Etling run some routes during training camp. I guess he was dropping passes, and uh, it wasn't going to work out the way they moved Edelman, Julian Edelman, from a quarterback to a wide receiver. So they released Danny Etling, and they make room on the roster for the new tight end, Sabir, however you say his name. I don't know who this kid is, but they make room on the roster for him. And they they trade a seventh-round conditional pick to Atlanta. And I guess this is a side. Belichick's going to do what Belichick's going to do. A couple days later, the Atlanta Falcons, they pick up Danny Etling. <laughs> so I don't know if maybe why they didn't just add Etling to the, to the trade. There's some type of salary cap manipulation going on there, I would assume. But uh, it's just kind of funny when you see Atlanta take on Etling. But Danny Etling is gone, which means there's three quarterbacks on the roster. Brady, obviously, the start of the battle for the backup will continue Saturday night in Tennessee. Brian Hoyer versus Jared Stidham. Will they keep three? Will they cut Hoyer? Would they cut Hoyer if Stidham? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think Brady likes the idea probably of having Hoyer around more than Stidham. For obvious reasons, like, you know, but but if you Belichick, it's like maybe that's the move you make to keep Brady motivated. Like, did Garoppolo motivate Brady? I would think so. Human nature would tell you he did. That Brady saw the air to the iron throne right up his ass. And, um, you know, I, I think that Brady was motivated by that. Who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? And so if Belichick, I think, wants to motivate Brady by putting Stidham on the practice squad and 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 keeping Hoya, does that is that as motivating as cutting Hoya and having Stidham be a backup? I that would I think Brady would be motivated by that. And so if, I'm not saying Brady won't be motivated anyways, but. Let's face it, you you try to get any motivation you can get, and so maybe that's the way they go about it. I would think maybe that's the way the Patriots will figure this quarterback situation out. Maybe uh, Hoya ends up getting cut, and they just make Stidham the backup. But he's going to have to prove himself, obviously, in these preseason games, and we'll see him try to continue to prove himself Saturday night in Tennessee. I told you I had some audio from John Gruden because... It is absolutely hilarious. The first episode of Hard Knocks last week was, I thought, was terrible. I knocked it on this show. I said there was too much acting, you know, and I, I thought it was a perfect example of what the rest of the league is, which is a clown show. Out, the rest of the league outside of the New England Patriots is an absolute clown show. And the Oakland Raiders were the, you know, the, the ringleader of that circus. 
around the NFL. And, and the first episode of Hot Knocks showed that. You got the rookie safety who's talking back to Gruden and just, you know, it was just simple one-on-one conversation about finishing hits and, and shorts and shells and training camp practice. And Gruden's like, hey, listen, take it. I know, you, I know you're a safety. You're a hot-hitting safety. I know you, you live and die by the contact and making big hits. But can you not hit our own guys in, in training camp practice, please? Can you not do that? And I just thought the way the safety was talking back to Gruden, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at that going, oh, man. Like, you would never talk to Belichick like that. But, and, and so I, I thought the whole thing was just a little too acted out in the first episode. But then we got to the second episode this week, which I watched last night, a night after it came out. It comes out on Tuesday nights on HBO. And I got to the second episode last night. And... It was completely different. And I think it was completely different because they finally got into joint practice. The Raiders got into joint practices with the Rams. Uh, you know, and that's a that's a big thing. The defending NFC champion Rams, right? So they get joint practices. Then they get the first preseason game. And that's really where you get Gruden in, in Gruden form. That's where we were actually going to see the real Gruden. I don't think we saw it in the first episode but we definitely saw it in the second episode because now Gruden's less focused on the cameras and the behind the scenes 24-7 HBO style stuff and he's more focused on actually coaching an NFL team that has a lot of work to do, as you saw. I mean, they're hitting the, these guys are hitting the quarterback. They're hitting their own quarterback during training camp practice. Now, it was by accident a couple times, but one of them was like, you know, almost took out Derek Carr's knee. That's an excuse. You cannot let that happen. Like, that's just pure stupidity. So the Raiders got work to do. And you saw in training camp practice, the receivers are dropping footballs left and right. (laughs) Now, it's easy for HBO to mix that in and just show all the bad stuff and not show the good stuff. So it is also, at the same time, it's difficult to actually analyze it because we're not, they're not showing us any good stuff. They're just showing us a lot of bad stuff. I'm sure the Raiders are probably a little pissed off at that. But they can't deny that they do have a lot of work to do, and Gruden even admits that. And with that work that they're doing, now that they get joint practices, now that they get preseason games, it gets real for Gruden. And I think you start to forget about the cameras, and you're doing less acting than you were in episode one of Hard Knocks. And while they're doing less acting, John Gruden, being himself, Being the motivational guy that he is, he is absolutely hilarious. I tweeted this out last night. HBO needs to do everything in their power. I mean, make this guy an offer he can't refuse to just follow him around and just do a full season worth of Gruden. Now, I know they do NFL films and they got everybody's mic'd up anyways and they got the the behind the scenes stuff. They do that every week, right? Mic'd up. I'm talking, I just want Gruden. Follow Gruden around. Get a team to follow Gruden and Gruden only all year long. And you don't even need to release it. Just have one long hour and a half, two hour long special at the end of the year. Give me a Gruden hard knocks just on Gruden because this guy is beautiful. And and when I told you in episode one, he was kind of letting the rookie safety talk back to him and he was just kind of looking at him and, and letting it happen and he was just kind of brushing it off like that's ah, no big deal I'm I'm sitting there going ah Gruden's lost his edge a little bit he's just doing all this stuff for the cameras he's here for the show I don't know that he's here to 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 win like he talks about wanting to win and then I saw episode two and I'm like well he was taking it that easy on the rookie safety and some of those other guys in episode one because he knew once it got time to business he was going to flip that switch, and he was going to be back to being John Gruden. And any rookie that wants to talk back to the coach is going to think twice after a couple of these meetings and a couple of these practices leading into games. So here's John Gruden. I think this is at the beginning of the episode. They got a team meeting right before the Rams come to town. Or do they go to the Rams? No, I think the Rams go to them, right? And, uh... And... Gruden's talking to the team, and he's talking about what he expects from these practices, 
and it's beautiful. Here's John Gruden talking to the entire team in a team meeting in episode two of HBO's Hard Knocks. I want to practice with better etiquette, okay? Stay off the ground, stay away from the quarterback. I want the backs and receivers to finish runs, okay? I want better etiquette. But more than anything, I want better execution. Are we clear on that? I want better fucking execution. I want you to get a little bit pissed off. All right, not a lot of people expect very much from us. Do they? Do they? You've been reading about us? Not a lot of people expect enough from us. I'm tired, man. I'm tired of reading about it. It's time for you to stick your foot up somebody's ass, man. I'm looking for a relentless, every situation strain. I want everybody to pick it up tonight. <laughs> John Gruden, I want you to stick your foot up somebody's ass. Uh, oh, man. It's beautiful. I mean, this guy's. Be- I, I that audio clip doesn't. Even, I feel like that doesn't even do it justice. You got to watch it too. You got to watch him give this, give this rant. You got to watch him on the sideline. You got to watch him go after the backup quarterbacks, Mike Glennon, Nate Peterman. He goes after Glennon in the game. Now Glennon had a good drive. I guess the first drive let him down to a touchdown. And then he threw a couple interceptions or an interception, and Gruden was just not having any of it. Um, but in the process, there's also you know part of this clip that I'm going to play for you. This is just a couple different cut-ups of Gruden. You know, he's yelling at Glennon about a turnover, about an interception, and how he's not going to be here for turnovers. And then <laughs> he's yelling at his guys up front. Um, and how I'll, I'll, I'll let him say it. Okay. I'll let John Gruden say it. Here's some more of John Gruden yelling at his backup quarterback during the, this is during the preseason game. And then on the sideline yelling at the guys up front. Uh, and again, I'll let him put it into words. Let's go. The hell are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you going? Single high. I don't care. Where are you going? Just like take carrier on the corner. All right, all right. Hey, we can't turn the fucking ball over, man. I ain't gonna be a part of that shit. Fucking ridiculous. It's Christ. He looks like that. Let's start chewing these fat fucks up. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Hey, run it away from the safety, man. Why are you running it into the safety? Are you a blockhead? I love you, but I'm not going to let you fucking run the ball into unblockable looks. You got to know more about our offense. I'm trying to help you. (laughs) Gruden, that that last spot is Gruden talking to Peterman. So at first he was talking to Glennon. (laughs) It's just, it's so good. I always have to play that one part again because it's beautiful. Um... Hurry up, man. It takes forever. Start the motion. Get oh, that's it. not it. Start fixing this shit. All right. All right. Hey, we can't turn the fucking ball over, man. I ain't going to be a part of that shit. Fucking ridiculous. Jesus Christ. He looks like that. Let's start chewing these fat fucks up. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's the pot that got me last night. Um. Oh, man. That is beautiful. And then at the end, he's talking to Peterman. He's like, I'm not going to let you run. I'm not going to let you ca- call that run. Like, he wants Peterman to change the play. He wants or, or he wants Peterman to put him in position. And look, I'm not a football X's and O's guys, X and O's guys outside of Madden. Like, I play Madden, but still. <laughs> no, that's, that's a stretch to call a Madden player an X's and O guy. Um, I, I, But I get what he's trying to tell him. You know, and and he's trying to trust the quarterback to make the right decision before the snap and read the defense. And Peterman's not doing it. And he's like, I'm not I'm not going to let you do this. Let's go. I'm trying to help you out. What are you doing? And uh, and then he's yelling at Peterman at practice. And this is good stuff, too. Come on, Nate, get the fuck on, Nate. Let's go. God damn it. Man, it takes forever. Start the motion, get it going. We're running out of time. My life is running out of lifespan. So casual. 
Like a house mouse. I want to... <laughs> like a house mouse. Oh, Gruden's beautiful. He really is. I mean, if you... If you're looking for something to watch... Next Tuesday night... HBO's not paying me for this. And you know that because I knocked the first episode. I thought the first episode was bad. Bad acting. But Gruden... What? Gruden should win an award for episode two. He's that good. I assume it's only going to get better. Moving forward. As the games get more serious... They got to make more cuts. And as the team probably will continue to not be that good. And and Peterman and Glennon turning the ball over. it's He's going to be up those quarterbacks' asses. It's going to be hilarious. And you know how he works with quarterbacks. I mean, he had that, that whole ESPN show where he would bring guys in and he'd bring a lot of quarterbacks in and um, he'd grill them. He'd go over their reads on video in front of them and their throws. And, and so... He will get up a guy's ass, and he was up Glennon's ass during that game. He was up Peterman's ass during that game, and then at practice, and it's great. It is great. It's hilarious. You will get a couple laughs out of that, and 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 that audio doesn't even do it justice. You got to see him. You got to look. See the look on his face. <laughs> it's beautiful. Now, when it comes to Antonio Brown, they. In episode two, at the end, they teased that episode three was probably going to be mostly about Antonio Brown, right? That's what they kind of teased. They didn't do a lot of it on, on episode two. They showed them being asked questions. They showed GM Mike Mayock asked questions. Gruden was asked questions. Derek Carr was asked questions. And they didn't really get into it all that much until the very end when Gruden, in his preseason postgame press conference was talking about how, you know, he, he wants he wants him there. He wants Antonio Brown to show up. He did though he did say in the in the pregame interview with, with the media that he was concerned um with you know Antonio Brown not being there. But to say he was concerned he was th- there was an issue. He had an issue with it because he knows there's so much they need to they need to they need to do like this. This is a game of preparation, is what Gruden's saying. And if you're not here, you're not preparing. And if you're not preparing, I don't care how good you are. And Gruden doesn't care how good you are. You know, this is a team, and you need to know what the team is doing. If you're not there, you're not in the building, you're not in the practice field, you're not anywhere to be seen. You don't know what the team's doing, and so you don't want him to fall behind too much. So he wants him there. But I think episode three is going to be more about Antonio Brown. Now, the Antonio Brown stuff I told you, all this talk about the helmet, I guess now, you know, they went to an arbitrator and they're tweeting out, they're looking for a helmet that's his style, that's that was made in the last eight years or something, that's not 10 years old, whatever. I still am sticking to my guns on this take. I do not think this is about the helmet as much as it is about the feet, as much as it is even about some other stuff that you see with Antonio Brown. I'm reading a report on ESPN today. ESPN.com, uh, this was posted, what, last night, right? The headline is, Brown faces lawsuit over unpaid $38,000 chef's bill. That's right. A $38,000 bill to a chef is what Antonio Brown owes. It says, Oakland Raiders wide receiver Antonio Brown is facing a civil lawsuit that alleges he stiffed a chef's bill of nearly $40,000 during Pro Bowl festivities in 2018. So during the Pro Bowl in 2018, he had this guy by the name of Stefano Tedeschi, who has a nickname in the NFL world called the Sports Chef. Um, The Sports Chef, Stefano Tedeschi, filed suit in Florida County... uh, in a, in a Florida county on July 30th, claiming that Brown's balance of $38,521.20, that's right, $38,521.20 remains unpaid. According to the report, Brown rented an Orlando area mansion and hired the sports chef to prepare food for multiple days and other services for nearly 50 Pro Bowl teammates and many other potty guests. And this is what Tedeschi is telling ESPN in an interview yesterday. Um, according to Tedeschi, 
Brown wrongfully terminated the agreement and did not allow Tedeschi to retrieve his equipment and food from the premises. An Antonio Brown associate told Tedeschi not to make eye contact with Brown on his way out. <laughs> so Tedeschi gets hired. You know, the bill is $40,000 bill. Antonio Brown is a potty at the Pro Bowl in Florida. Has 50 Pro Bowl teammates show up, as well as other potty guests. You know the celebrities. He hires this guy to cook food. I guess put on a show. The sports chef. Other guys have rented this guy out before and and had him, you know, cook for them. Other NFL players. uh, They mention Larry Fitzgerald, Drew Brees, Jameis Winston, and and among others. These are guys that, that... Tedeschi names talking to ESPN. And uh Antonio Brown has this guy. The bill's forty thousand. And he didn't pay him. He didn't let the guy re- get his equipment and the food from the premises. And somebody with Antonio Brown told Tedeschi that while while he leaves and makes his way out, do not make eye contact with Antonio Brown. I mean does Antonio Brown not sound like the biggest prima donna asshole you've ever heard of in your entire life? Don't make eye contact? Who do you think you are, dude? And why can't you pay a $40,000 bill for a guy who's going to feed you and 50-plus other people at a Pro Bowl party, at a mansion? It's ridiculous. Uh, Tedeschi added in this report, in this interview with ESPN, that he never got an official reason for the lack of payment. He had to pay staff members out of his own pocket for their work and had to forego other work opportunities by committing to Brown. The guy wants $40,000. I mean, is there another part of this story we're not hearing? Maybe. But the part that we're hearing, it makes Antonio Brown sound like the biggest prima donna asshole of all time. And I I think I probably hate the part about the eye contact more than the money that he owes. But why wouldn't you pay him? What's the deal he signed with Oakland? 50 mil over three years? I mean, come on. The guy's the guy's got money. The guy's got money. The guy's got money. Here's, an, here's a quote from Tedeschi to ESPN. And I mentioned the names already. But he says, quote, I've cooked for countless NFL superstars and celebrities. Never once have I had one problem. Until this. My food is so good. My mannerisms in someone's home is second to none. End quote from Tedeschi. Now, a quote from Brown's attorney, Darren Heitner, responded to the lawsuit saying, quote, We expect to be filing a motion to dismiss the complaint and will let the filing speak for itself. End quote. This part is outrageous as well. What I'm about to read you. Tedeschi said... Brown later offered to pay Tedeschi. Here's how, here's how Brown, Antonio Brown owes, <laughs> owes $40,000. 40000 not $40 million, 40000 Which, considering what Antonio Brown makes, is really nothing. And you're the one that knew it was going to be a lot. You had all these people over. Antonio Brown offered to pay Tedeschi after the fact. Offered to pay Tedeschi in social media advertising. (laughs) A deal in which Tedeschi said he didn't accept. So imagine you're Antonio Brown. You're a multi-million dollar superstar pro athlete. You hire a chef to cook food for you and 50 other people at the Pro Bowl in your Pro Bowl mansion in Florida. Not only do you not pay him the $40,000, not only do you kick him out and you don't even let him retrieve his equipment, But you also have someone tell him as he's leaving the party and leaving the premises, do not make eye contact with Antonio Brown. And then later on, when he comes to you and says, hey, you still owe me that $40,000 for working for you and and cooking food for your party, Antonio Brown goes, well, how about I pay you in social media advertising? (laughs) What? You want to advertise for him on Instagram? Please. What a clown. Clown. So Antonio Brown's got other stuff going on than the helmet-related issue. Uh, I guess maybe this story does show you how petty he is and that maybe the, maybe the helmet issue is a bigger deal than I made it out to be. But I still don't think that he left the premises, uh, that he left 
Raiders camp that he... I don't think that's because of the helmet. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I think there's more going on with him. And maybe it's just defeat. Like I said last uh, last week or on Monday. The, that foot injury, that's tough, man. This is a guy that relies on running. Right? And I'm sure this is an embarrassing moment. And they showed us the feet in episode two. We already saw it, though. He's got frostbite on his feet because he's an idiot. Right? Um, so, it, it's I, I don't think it was the helmet. But anyways, Antonio Brown, he's got some stuff here. And this story of the chef not paying him 40000 having someone tell him, don't make eye contact, and then later going, oh, you know what, I could pay you in social media advertising. Oh, what a clown. What a clown. So I guess the next thing that I'm about to read you, uh, this NFLPA work stoppage guide, I guess is probably, they should send it, they should definitely make sure Antonio Brown gets this. So here's another story on ESPN today. And the headline reads, NFLPA issues work stoppage guide to its players. And I'll read you the first, <clears throat> the first part of this story. It says on ESPN.com, as collective bargaining agreement negotiations between the NFL and NFL Players Association continue to make little progress, the NFLPA has issued a work stoppage guide to its players to help them prepare in case of a strike or a lockout following the 2020 season. That's the first paragraph. Um, second paragraph says, Sources on both sides continue to insist a work stoppage is unlikely, but the NFLPA has said all along that its mission is to negotiate for the best while preparing for the worst. While the current CBA doesn't expire until March of 2021, the Players' Union is trying to make sure its members are prepared in case negotiations go sideways. So, I think the key quote in all this is that NFLPA, while they don't think there's going to be a lockout or a work stoppage, they are going to negotiate for the best while preparing for the worst. And (laughs) the guide, which was obtained by ESPN they say, is focused on helping players manage their money in advance of, or in case of, a strike or a lockout. The specific suggestions include the following. And this is where it gets really good. I never thought I'd be reading something like this. I can honestly say, like, this is not something I thought we would ever come across. Have we, I don't know that we've ever come across the specifics of a work stoppage guide that was sent from the players, uh, uh, the players association or players union in any sport to its players a year and a half before a potential lockout or strike. Now, again, you got this season under the CBA. You got next season under the CBA. The following season, 2021, there's no CBA. They're trying to work something out. But again, negotiate for the best. While preparing for the worst. And while preparing for the worst, I'm going to read you some things that the NFLPA is telling its players to do. Now, some of these things you would think they're talking to like 14-year-olds. How to manage their their summer work checks, right? You're going to have a summer job for a couple months? All right, well, you need to manage this. Here's, Here's how you manage it. Like, but they're not talking to 14-year-olds. They're talking to professional athletes, multi-million dollar professional athletes. They Do these guys really need to be told some of these things? Let me read them. Let me read some of this stuff. This is part of the work stoppage guide from the NFLPA to the players. Number one, save at least half of each paycheck, if not more. If your current expenses are too high to save this much, you should look at ways to change your spending habits and reduce financial commitments. <laughs> like, again, this is, they're talking to NFL players. And I know we can knock NFL contracts and, you know, how they don't get paid as much as they should. And they, you know, there's no guaranteed contracts. Um, You know, we can, we can knock the NFL for that, right? 
But at the same time, they still make good money. Let's not act like they don't make good money. They make good money. They don't make as good money as Major League Baseball or NBA players, uh, but they still make good money. And you also have to think about this. This is advice that the NFLPA has given to its players now. Like, so when they say, save at least half of each paycheck, if not more, or look at ways to change his spending habits and reduce financial commitments. They're saying do that now, two years in advance of a potential lockout or strike. It's just, it's at times I'm reading this and I'm like, are they talking to multi-million dollar pro athletes or are they talking to 14-year-olds who have a lifeguard job down the beach? Or 16-year-olds who have a lifeguard job down the beach. Whatever. You get my point. It's comical. Number two, this is great. I, this, I feel like this is... This one is like the, the text message my mother sends to me, right, on how to save money. But it's not. It's the NFLPA talking to its players two years before a lockout or strike they don't even know they're going to have. Number two, try cooking at home instead of eating out as much. <laughs> this is real life. This is a real life message the NFLPA sends to its players. Try cooking at home. Instead of eating out as much, this is the game we should play. Is this a text? Is this a text from your mom, or is this in the work stop the NFLPA work stoppage guide? Which one is it? Which one is it? Try cooking at home instead of eating out as much. Eh, nope, it's not a text from your mom. It's a message from the NFLPA to its players two years before a potential lockout and strike that might not even happen. Number three. Is this a text from your mom or a message to the players in the NFL? Designate one day a week as no spending day and no spending days in quotes. Let me read that to you again. Designate one day a week as no spending day. Eh, Nope, it's not a text message from your mom. It's a message from the NFL PA to its players. Oh, number four, take care of major home repairs now. <laughs> you got you have repairs that you need to take care of at home. Are they major? You doing something over your house? Do it now. Take care of those major home repairs now. Number five, if you're in the market for a new home, consider renting instead of buying for now. Like, really? I mean, it's just, it's comical. I, if you told me this was on The Onion and not ESPN.com, I'd believe you. What number are we on? Number five? One, two, three, four, five. And that was five. Right? One, two, three, four, five. Number six. Find renters for your unoccupied homes or bedrooms. Do you have unoccupied homes or bedrooms? Find someone to rent that out. Put that shit on Craigslist. That's what it should say. Put put your unoccupied homes or bedrooms on Craigslist. Number seven. Consider selling a car you have not driven in the past six months. Like, imagine having a car that you haven't driven in six months because you have so many cars that you're now getting advice to be told maybe... Consider selling one of those cars that you haven't driven in six months. You have too many cars? Put it on Craigslist. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, let's see. Am I, am I caught up here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Number eight. Avoid signing a long-term lease on any rental property that you rarely use. Uh, again, this is like if you have too much shit, maybe start selling it off. This is just basically good advice for people who have too much shit. <laughs> this is just NFL. Uh, number nine. Learn to say no, or at least not now, to friends and family asking for money. That's number nine. Number 10. Consider selling clothes you have not worn in a year on Poshmark, ThreadUp, or TradeZ. 
Now, Poshmark thread up a tradesy. I don't know what those things are. But if you have clothes you have not worn in a year, I mean, selling? How about just giving them to the Goodwill? You need the money that bad where you're going to sell clothes you haven't worn in a year? Just give them to the Goodwill. Like, this is just outrageous. But I go back to the first couple ones. Try cooking at home instead of eating out as much. Designate one day a week as no spending day. This whole list is, you could play the game. Is this a text message from your mom or your wife or your financial advisor? Or is this a message from the NFLPA to its players? Like, I never thought we'd be reading something like this. I never thought that these guys would need to be told some of this stuff, but they do learn to say no, or at least not now to friends and family asking for money. Unbelievable. So that's the message from the NFLPA to its players here in 2019, two years before a potential work stoppage that probably won't happen, right? Probably won't happen. I do think that they'll have bigger issues than this stuff. If that does happen, right? They will. They'll have bigger issues. But uh, that's all I got for you today. I'll be watching the preseason football this weekend. Anything major that happens, I will be reacting to it on Monday. Get this show whenever you want at Podcast One. Also on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are available. Also on iHeartRadio, even Radio.com for people who listen to Sports Talk on that app. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. But also make sure you follow my Twitch page. I've knocked YouTube lately. For good reason. So follow me on Twitch, too. Twitch.tv slash Danny Picard. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. I am out. Talk to you again on Monday. <laughs>